The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com. Scripture reading today is from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 12, starting in verse 35. I'm going to be reading all the way down to verse 48. Stay dressed for action. And keep your lamps burning, and be like men who are waiting for the master to come home from the wedding feast, so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, Who then is a faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household? to give them their portion of food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom the master will find doing so when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But that servant says to himself, My master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day he does not expect him and an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces And put him with the unfaithful. And the servant who knew his master's will, but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. From him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. The word of the Lord. this in your name. Amen. So I'm a pretty literal guy, and you can ask my wife. Sometimes we'll have arguments over, can you take out the trash versus may you take out the trash? (laughs) Very, very careful about words. Sometimes. Sometimes I'll let it pass. But one of the phrases that I've heard before that really gets my attention and really I I start to think of if the person really means it is this. When I visit somebody, one of my friends, and we have a good meal together, and I say, oh, thank you, that was a wonderful meal, they'll say something like, land on me. Wow, I'm welcome anytime. <laughs> I, we were blessed with our third child this past month, and we, uh, we go to bed around 8 o'clock, okay? <laughs> Now, I would love, and we, we love unexpected visitors. You guys are more than welcome to come, and we'll receive you. But don't expect us to be ready. <laughs> There's going to be toys on the floor. There's going to be, it's a mess. What about if we come knocking at 12 a.m.? So I, I'm always thinking, like, you said any time. Like, I, I want to take you up on that promise. I want to come at your house at 3 you said any time, let's, let's get the coffee out. <laughs> let's get the food, come on. 
What about 4 a.m.? I mean, the hardest time to stay up, 3.30 to 4. Wake up. I'm here. You said any time. Now, I know what they mean. Hey, let's schedule a time together so that we're both ready. And I will have food prepared for you if you come over. Let me know when you want to come over. Is that what Jesus means when he says that he's going to come back at any time? Does Jesus want to plan his return based on your schedule, my schedule? He really means any time. And so this is the text that we have today. We were just told in the previous chapter, chapter 12, if I could just really quickly just give us context here. Jesus is preaching in front of a large crowd, and it says that they're trampling over each other. I mean, it's just a massive crowd. He's very popular. And his disciples are with him. And the text says that sometimes he'll direct his words to his disciples. He'll talk to his disciples. And then as he's talking to his disciples, he's telling them, hey, reject false teaching. Reject false teaching. Don't fear those who can kill the body. Fear God. He's talking to his disciples. And then someone from the crowd, remember, he goes, hey, Jesus, uh, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. It belongs to me as much as him. And Jesus really kills that idea of chasing earthly possessions by saying, don't chase after those things. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. And then we get our text today. Our text today. It's an encouragement from Jesus to, to be ready and to continue seeking after God. So we're going to, Jesus wants us to be ready for his return. And so we're going to see three things today in our text. We're going to see the unexpected return of Jesus. The call to being ready for Jesus' return. And then what does it look like to be a faithful servant? What does it look like to be ready? So we'll start with return. Right now in our history, since Jesus rose and went to heaven, he's given us a promise. Let's find this promise in John chapter 14, verse 23. Jesus was saying this before he was leaving. In my Father's house are many rooms, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go, which is where we are, and prepare a place for you, I will what? Come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So we have a promise here from God. Let's look at different promises real quick. Before Jesus was born, the Old Testament prophesied about a Messiah coming. Hundreds and hundreds of years before. Okay, Jesus came and fulfilled those prophecies. Jesus also predicted, I'm going to die in Jerusalem. And it happened. He was crucified. And then before he died, he said to his disciples, don't worry, I'm going to rise again in three days. The disciples actually carried out a funeral for Jesus. They actually buried him because he was dead. But in three days, he fulfilled that next promise. He rose again. And then the last promise we have from Jesus that it hasn't been fulfilled yet is, I'm coming again to take you with me. I'm coming again to take you with me. Do you believe that? As much as you believe the gospel, 
As much as you believe Jesus rose from the dead for, and, and paid for your sins on the cross, do you believe he's returning again? Right now we live in what's, we, we, I'm going to call it a delay. Because it's been 2,000 years. It's been a, we're in a delay. So here's the first thing. Jesus says this about his return in verse 38. Well, let me just give you the picture real quick. The picture that Jesus is using, party, and the master is returning. The master is, in, is having pleasures, but he left his service in charge and there to keep watch over the house, and he's gone, and he's coming back. Okay? That's the picture. Verse 38, if he, the master Jesus, comes in the second watch or the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. Okay, so this is what the watches are of the night. Okay? Um, from 6 to 9 is the first watch, right? And then from 9 to 12 is the second watch, a.m. From 12 a.m. to 3 a.m., the third watch. And then the fourth watch is from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. So you would have people watching for any intruders or anything like that. You have people watching to protect the house. And Jesus is saying, I, I'm not going to come back in a specific time. I'm not going to come back at a time that you can schedule in your scheduler, your planner. It could be... 2 a.m., it could be 12, it could be 6. I can come back early from the party, but I'm coming back. Notice also, from the, he, he picks on the second and third watches, the hardest time to stay awake in the night. 3.30 a.m. is a hard time to stay awake. You're going to need those five-hour energy shots, you're going to need lots of coffee. Trust me, I know. When I have deadlines in the morning and sometimes I work through the night, 3.30 a.m., I want to lay on the floor and just crash. And he's, Jesus is saying, I can come back at that moment. The moment your eyes are heavy, the moment that your body wants to go to the ground, the moment you may be sleeping, I will come. Where's my servants? I'm ready. It's unexpected. Okay. The second thing about his return, it's surprising. He compares his return as a thief breaking into a house. He says, but know this, verse 39, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not left his house to be broken in two. Would it be a good thief to come at your door at 3 p.m.? You're awake. You're with your family. Hi, I'm a thief, and I'm going I'm to come back later about 2 a.m. I notice, I drive by your neighborhood, and I notice that's when you turn off your lights, and I know that's quiet. Your kids are sleeping. About 2 a.m., I'm going to come to your house, okay? All right, thank you. See you later. Does a thief do that? He does not do that. It's surprising when a thief breaks in and steals things from your house. You wake up. You walk to your living room. Everything is messed up. Some things are gone. One time we had a Dodge Durango before I was married. And uh, I'll say I, I didn't lock the car, okay? I woke up and went outside, and we found that the car, all four doors and the trunk were open. And they took from it um, just a backpipe that my dad had in there because he plays weddings and he does backpipe stuff. It's awesome. And when we saw that car completely open and stuff, we felt, 
oh, why didn't we lock the car? We're so violated. This is so shocking. Jesus is comparing his return to this level of shock. It's going to happen. You must be ready. He says in the next verse, you also must be ready. Right? Verse 40, you also what? What? What's that word? That M word right there. You must. I can say this. If you are not ready for his return, you are sinning. It's a command from Jesus. You must be ready. And then he, the third thing I want us to see about his return, it's glorious. Look at the title he gives himself. You also must be ready, verse 40, for the Son of Man is coming. When is he coming? At an hour you do not expect. Son of man? What does that mean? I want us to look at Luke and see what Luke says about the return of the Son of Man. Same author. Jesus is speaking. This is what it's going to be like. I don't want to like try to paint it because I don't know how it's going to be exactly. But Luke writes it. And so he gives us this imagery. Starting, so Luke 21, verse 25. Look at this. And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. People fainting with fear and foreboding what is coming of the world, on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. So you get the picture? This is scary stuff. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Look at the command. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up, raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Jesus is coming to take us with him. Isn't that amazing? And when he comes, it's not going to be a baby in a manger. He's not going to come in a humble, meek, in the way that we live. He's going to tear open the sky. Everybody in the globe is going to be affected by this picture. It doesn't matter what we believe. It doesn't matter what job you have or what your plans on for the future or what you're doing with your children. It doesn't matter. Any of that doesn't matter. How much money you have, how much money you want to have, it doesn't matter. The moment that Jesus comes, the sky is going to be torn open and everybody is going to see him coming. Are you ready for his return? Are you anticipating dying and coming back to life and he fulfilled it? And he also said, now I'm coming back. Do you, are you ready? So what does it mean to be ready? Next question. Jesus says in verse 35, back in our text in Luke 12, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. What does that mean? Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. Jesus is anticipating here a time of darkness. When the light of the world goes to the Father, we're going to be in darkness. He also, Jesus says, that, right, I am the light of the world. He also says that we are light. 
Let your light shine before men. Okay. Stay dressed for action. Okay. So they used to wear robes. And the way they would work is they would take the, the, the fluff of the robe and the, they would tie it over their belt. Their legs would be free. And then they could work. They're not going to be tied down by, by this robe. They're free to work. They're ready to work. Basically, what Jesus is saying here is there's no retirement plan for being a Christian. If you've been a Christian for 30 years, you don't get to just hang up your clothes and just live like the rest of the world. Sorry. If you've been a Christian for 40, 50, 60, 70 years, you don't get to just take off your clothes for service and I'm just going to retire now. I'm just going to relax. If you've been a Christian for two years, two months, one hour, you put on the clothes, those clothes are staying on. Jesus is telling you, press on and, and don't put away your clothes. You want to be found ready when Jesus comes. Have a servant attitude towards Christ and his commandments. Towards his people. Have this idea of when, if, if Jesus needs me to do something, that very moment, I don't need to get dressed because I'm already dressed and I'm going to do the thing he's asked me to do. Does that make sense? Yeah? Okay. Lamps burning. Keep the light on. Keep the light on. The light of your faith, the light of being in the Word of God. Don't put it out. When you see all other people putting it out, you keep your light on. There's a lot of Christians who are putting out their light, the claim that, hey, I'm a Christian. And they're putting it out now. Don't put out your light. Even if the whole world wants to shut off the word of God and say, oh, that's written back in the day. It doesn't affect us today. Oh, the gospel is just made up. Oh, you're a Christian, ha, 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 you're, you're silly. Jesus knows that this time is coming, and so he's telling his disciples, keep your lamps burning. Stay dressed, because I am coming back, and it will be judgment. You don't want to be found in the dark sleeping. Imagine Jesus comes back. And his servants are snoring. Imagine that. The master of the house is waiting outside his own house. When are they going to come open? It says here, be like men who are waiting for their master to come from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. See, a servant of Christ is like this. You're working, you're serving the Lord, you're investing in seeking the kingdom, you want to move his kingdom forward, you're, you're, you're proclaiming his gospel to people, you are working here on earth to spread his kingdom, but you're keeping one eye at the door. You keep reminding yourself, he's going to come at any moment. He's going to come at any moment, but I'm going to keep working here, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. It changes our perspective of what we invest our time and energy in. It changes what we invest our Time and energy in. Here's another thing why Jesus is saying you don't know the hour. 
If Jesus was to say, hey, I'm coming back in one year, what are you going to do for 12 months? Let's say you're not ready the first month. Oh, I have to get ready. Jesus is coming back. But I have 11 months. Let me just, you know, let me just participate in the worldly things a little bit here and there. Let me just live in darkness a little bit. Let me take a few naps here and there. Oh, I got nine months to go. Should I? No. You know, I still have nine months to go. Let me just take it easy. Let me just relax a little bit. Yeah, the house is a little mess, but the master, he told me he's going to come back in 12 months. Now it's nine. Five months. Still five months. I can take a two-month vacation. What about two weeks? Do you see where our hearts go? It's very easy for us to kind of just be like, I got time. I got time. I don't need to be ready. Jesus strips that away. He's coming. Be ready. You must be ready. I am the master of my house. You are my slaves. I have given you commands to do. Be ready. Ready. Is the house in order? When he comes and knocks, are you going to greet him with water? (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying? What is a ready servant? There's something so amazing here. It's so amazing. If you are found ready when Jesus comes and knocks and you are ready to serve him, look what Jesus does. Verse 37, first of all, he calls us blessed to those who are ready. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes, not sleeping. Truly I say to you, he, who's the he there? The master. Notice the next part of this verse. The master will dress himself for what? Service, yeah, and have them. Who's the them? The servants. Have them recline, relax, lay down, stop working, (laughs) recline. How nice is it to recline? At table, and he, the master, will what? Come and serve them. The master has become a servant to the servants. How amazing. How amazing. I love this picture because it's food. (laughs) And food, having a meal with someone is the most beautiful time of fellowship. You guys are telling stories, you're laughing, you're eating, you're sharing in this awesome meal. The master of the house comes. So cute. Master of the house comes, and he says that he dresses himself for service, has the servants, please, my servants who are ready, sit at my table, and I will get you a cup of water. Jesus had a picture of this when he washed his disciples' feet. Do you remember that? 
put on a robe. He washed his disciples' feet. He doesn't change. Jesus is immutable. His character doesn't change. He loves to serve. He loves to serve. Isn't that incredible? Can I get an amen? Amen. Again, he presses the point. He repeats himself to emphasize it. Think of it as an underline, exclamation mark, bold letter, italics. Think of the, increase the font size. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed. That's the second time he's called those people. Blessed are those servants. Okay. Now, Peter is so awestruck by this. He goes, all right, Lord Jesus, listen. We know you are the Lord, and we are your servants, okay? So he asks this weird question. He goes, Lord, are you telling this parable for us, the disciples, or for all? Because everyone is listening right now, and who are you directing this to? Who needs to be ready? And I love Luke. Luke blurs the line between disciple and crowd when Jesus is teaching. This is for everybody to listen up. Everybody needs to listen up to this. What does a servant look like? So Jesus answered his question basically saying yes. And he goes on and he says, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household? To give them their portion of food at the proper time. Food. When you, when you invite people over to come at 6 and they come to your house, how do you think they would feel if the food is ready at 10 p.m.? Were you being a good servant and host? I'm sure all of you are. Why, why the timing of food at the proper time? Because you're loving responsibly. You're on top of your tasks. The servant, the wise and faithful servant of the Lord is on top of his tasks. When it's time for food, hey, I'm going to give you food. And look at what Jesus calls this person who is responsible and loves responsibly and is careful and gets the food out on time, and is serving the Lord when the Lord is not there. He's not doing it for eye service. He's really doing it because he loves the master's servants, and he loves the master. He loves God, and he loves God's people. That's the attitude of this faithful and wise manager. We've all been given a task from Jesus. Are you keeping on top of those tasks? We all know what pleases the Lord. Are you doing it? Are you, are you on top of it? It's very easy to get slack. Very easy to say, ah, he's not coming. I'm going to look at what Peter says. 2 Peter chapter 3. Okay. There we are. Look what he says. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, 
and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should, what's that word? Perish. But that all should come to repentance, that all would reach repentance. So this faithful and wise manager is not saying, oh, wow, the Lord is taking his time. I'm going to take my time, or I'm going to be slack in my thing. The faithful and wise manager sees that time that the master is gone as an opportunity to work for him, an opportunity to give the food at the right time, an opportunity to serve him, and to be found awake and blessed. He's, that's how he's looking at, the, at, the, at this long time. 2,000 years for us, it could be another three. It could be before I finish this sermon. Are you ready? Are you ready for his return? Are there things that you know that you need to take care of? Take care of those things. Take care of them. If you need to live in light of God's word, do it. If you feel like, I gotta gotta get back on my reading plan, read. Oh, I need to go apologize. Apologize, what are you waiting for? Actually, don't do it now. Just... (laughs) Then he gives from a greater to a lesser. Oh, actually, let me finish the faithful. The faithful from verse 43. This is the third time Jesus is saying the word blessed. I mean, come on, guys. This is the king of glory calling you blessed if you are found awake and ready at his return. That's awesome. Verse 43. Blessed is that servant whom the master whom his master will find so doing, what, on top of his tasks, making sure everything is taken out at the right time. He's serving his master with love for him, love for the master, love for his people. That's his will. He will set him over what? In verse 40, uh, sorry, 43, 44. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. Wow. Imagine managing all of Jesus' possessions. What does Jesus own? Everything. There's nothing outside his hand. And here we get this scary three-letter word, but. Sometimes it's a great three-letter word. But the Bible has this this word but from either scaring you to encouraging you. I was dead in my trespasses and sins, but God being rich in mercy, right? So we get this but. But Now we have it where it's like, look at this amazing opportunity to serve the Lord. And then here comes the warning. Are you guys with me? All right. There we go. But if that servant says to himself, My master has delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him 
into pieces and put him with the unfaithful. Just let that sit here for a second. What's up with this, what's up with this servant? What happened? What happened to the servant? My master is not coming right now. He's taking his time. My master's at a wedding feast, drinking and having fun and dancing. What am I doing here working? I'm going to take over my master's roles. Starts beating the male and female servants, being abusive towards them. Starts self-indulging. He's the one eating and drinking and getting drunk. He's not giving the food to the servants at the proper time. So look at his heart. What happened to his heart? His heart reacted to the fact that Jesus is not here yet. His master is taking his time. Therefore, now his heart, all the sin starts to flare up. Notice that he's talking to himself. This is a very selfish servant. This is a very selfish, abusive, self-indulgent servant. The beautiful thing about this passage is that he doesn't get away with it. We're not going to get away. No one's going to get away from their sins. Either they've been paid on the cross or you would have to pay for them yourselves. No one gets free. Look at the, 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 the wrath of God in this judgment. This is not a beating. This is a cut into pieces. The, the Israelites are used to this kind of language. This is like a warning to all of the Israelites' enemies. They'll take an enemy and hack him into pieces as a warning for the rest, don't mess with us. Hack into pieces. Jesus does not shy away from... Jesus, that's not very Christian. You're using harsh language here, sir. Is Jesus Christ. And he said that he will bring judgment on this unfaithful servant to the degree of this amazing, like you are going to be decimated. <laughs> and not only just cut up in pieces and left on the master's floor, your pieces are going to be gathered and put with the unfaithful. Where do they go? Where do unfaithful people go? Let's hear it. Hell. That's a place. That's a real place. And unbelievers go there. Jesus mentioned hell earlier in this day, if we were back in that time hearing him talk. Remember? He said, do not fear those who can kill the body, but fear him who has authority to kill the body and what? cast into hell. You don't, just to get, you don't get to just um, live your life. Oh, I'm a good person. You know, I, I don't really believe God, but I don't really care about all that Christian stuff. I, I like to do my, my own thing. Your own thing will send you to hell. That's truth. Jesus said it. You don't have a problem with me. You have a problem with Jesus if you have a problem with that. Jesus doesn't hide, hide away from harsh teaching. He's waking people up. 
listen, I know I'm going to be gone for thousands of years. And I could be gone for less. I can come back 10 days after I went to heaven. Were you ready? If Jesus went to heaven and one hour came back, would he find his disciples ready? Ask yourself, will you be ready? Am I ready? Individual. Now, here's another thing. Our church, I love our church. You guys are amazing. When, we, when, we, uh, when Melissa and I had our baby, a lot of you signed up. Hallelujah. We loved it. We really did. It was such a servant attitude of the, of the body of Christ. It was a beautiful picture of how the body of Jesus works. You guys took care of us when we needed you. You don't get to just live your life nonchalantly, not near the word of God, trying to stay near the path that he wants you to walk on and just think you're going to get away with it. You can't be abusive to your fellow brothers and sisters. Hold, them over, hold guilt over them until they beg you for mercy or forgiveness. You have no right to do that. You're not going to get away with it. So think of it as a warning. If you're doing that, stop. If you're doing it, stop. There's punishment involved to this master. What else is about this master? He shows no care about, not this master, sorry. What about this unfaithful servant? What else do we get from him? Well, he doesn't care about the master at all. He takes on the master's role. I'm the master of the house now, right? He takes on the master role of disciplining his slaves. But instead of discipline or beatings, he's abusing them and not feeding them. And saying, you guys are worthless. I'm going to drink all the wine. He gets all drunk with the drunkards. He's acting like an unfaithful person. And Jesus will come back and render a verdict on his life. Your concern is not about this person. Well, this person is abusing me. Therefore, now I'm going to fill my sinfulness. Oh, this person is so mean to me. Well, now I'm going to sin. Your concern is not with this, this man, this abusive person, this abusive person in your life who's watching over you. It could be false teachers. It could be people we hear on the radio. Listen, they, they, a lot of them have shown up to be abusive and unfaithful. Our concern is not, I'm going to live my life based on how other Christians live their life. Are you faithful? Are you the wise one? Then we get the somewhat faithful. <laughs> Such, let me just. Okay, we'll, we'll go over it and then. I, listen to this. Verse 47. And that servant who knew his master's will, but did not get ready or act in according to his will. First of all, stop right there. He knows the master's will. He knows what he's supposed to do, but he's not acting. He's not getting ready. What happens to this person? He will receive a severe beating. Let me read the other part. 
But the one who did not know, maybe he was in the field when the master gave orders. Okay, I'm gone, guys. He walks in. Hey, what, what happened? <sighs> who did not know. The, the servant here is ignorant. He doesn't really know the will of God. And did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. So these punishments are based on your knowledge. You're responsible for what you know about God and his truth. You are responsible to know. Now, what is the gospel? I need the gospel here because that's scary. How many of you know the Father's will and keeps it all the time? Before my hand gets cut off. <laughs> what about those of you, and how many of us can be ignorant of some of the things that God wants and still sin? Let me ask one more question. Who is the true, faithful, and wise servant? Jesus. Who's kept everything that the Father, Father's will was, and commanded? Who kept all of God's commandments? Did he keep them perfectly? If the Father, the Master, was to come back at like in three hours or four hours, would he be ready? Would, he, would Jesus be found ready? The beatings that were supposed to fall on you and I fell on Jesus Christ. I'll say it again. Maybe an amen or two will come out. The beatings that were supposed to fall on you and I fell on Jesus Christ. That's amazing. Yes, we are still responsible for what we do, and we are going to be judged what we've done in the body. Let me show you 1 Corinthians chapter 3. When I was going over this text, this was a hard text to get through because it can sound, if I don't preach this right, it can sound like, hey, you're saved based on your works. You're based on how ready you are. Good luck. <laughs> See you later. It can sound like that. John Wesley thought it sounded like that. I'm glad to say he was wrong. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This is a little long one, but, it's not, but it, I think it helps here drive the point. Verse 9 of chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. We are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, I mean, Paul is talking here. Like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid. What is it? Which is Jesus Christ. He's the foundation of our life if we believe in him. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation, if anyone lives and builds their life on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, it's your choice. How are you going to build your life? Each one's work will become manifest, revealed. Why? For the capital, what? Day. will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will what? 
receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, oh, you've done so much hard things in your life. You've tried to do so much amazing things in your life. And then Jesus would say, but I didn't have that for you. That's not what I wanted. That wasn't my will. Guess what? You built it out of straw. Now the furnace is on. Is that going to last? He will suffer what? Loss. Though he himself will be saved. So back in Luke, it's not a salvation beating It's a what you've done in your life when your life is presented before God and God puts the fire to it. Is your life, will it stand? Are you ready? Are you building your life for that, that one day that can happen again before I finish the sermon? We're, we still have some time? We don't know. The point is, is that you must be ready. Here's another amazing thing about our whole text that it's not really about the do's and don'ts it's really about your heart attitude. It's a mindset. Are you reacting to Jesus' return or his delay? And um, so the master of the house comes back, and Jesus is standing there, the good and faithful servant, and we've messed up a bunch of stuff in the house. And the master's, what happened? <laughs> I gave you guys orders. You didn't do it. Jesus says, I'll take the blame. Punish me, spare them. Punish me, spare them. And Jesus went to the cross. He lived a perfect life that was pleasing, pleasing to God. If you looked at Jesus' life, it pleased the holy God that we sang about today, that we sang to today. Jesus' life was a pleasing life. And then God, the Father, took all our sin, all the, mist, all the times we turned off the light when we saw people. Oh, I shouldn't talk about Jesus here. I would be embarrassed. Oh, I know that this is bad to do, but I'm going to do it anyway. Jesus went to the cross, and the Father judged him as if he committed those sins. His flesh was sore. By his wounds we are healed in Isaiah 53 it's a picture of Jesus he was punished for our iniquities Jesus was punished for our sins and God released his judgment on Jesus so it doesn't fall on you so what does that do for us it frees us to try our hardest and go out and be faithful to God Knowing that we are saved anyway. Are we going to fail? Yes, we're going to fail. Are you going to do it perfectly? No, you're not going to do it perfectly. We're still struggling with sin. We're still struggling with his body. However, the end goal is when he comes, I'm going to sit at the table with him and share stories of all the hard times I went through and how much joy I got when I was being made fun of and show him while he's passing me a cup of water. This is the picture. We're going to sit at a table with Jesus. I should have put a disclaimer. This sermon is dangerous. <laughs> For the last two verses, and here they are. 
Everyone to whom much was given of him will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. It's a principle. Truth is dangerous. Truth is dangerous. You are responsible for the knowledge you have about God and his will. So now you know. You know that one day God will come back at any moment. You have, you have, I don't know how many days to get your life and get right with God. And I don't know. It could be on your way home. I still have a couple minutes. It could be at the end of the sermon. It could be 30 years from now. It could be when your great, 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 grand, 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 grand kids are 80. Look, if I say in 100 years, most of us are going to see Jesus face to face. It's either that or he comes before then. Will you be ready? Will you, as a church, support one another to being ready? Do you want to serve one another knowing, knowing that we are serving the king and we're serving a fellow servant who has been bought? Listen, we've been bought what was the price of our purchase as slaves? Jesus' blood. Don't you want to treat somebody else as if Jesus' blood was on them? You are claimed by Jesus. Don't you want to treat your neighbor like that? Yeah. Yeah. Get encouraged, guys. Get encouraged. We're going to meet the master. And he's going to walk in. And if we're found ready, it's a celebration. We missed you. <laughs> it's 3 a.m., but I'll sit and have a whole meal with you. Let's pray. Thank you for listening, and we invite you to visit us Sunday mornings here at Fountain of Life Fellowship. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com.